This is episode 180 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life. Today's articles are Emergency Preparedness Tactics for Seniors and Five Boring But Effective Ways to Prep for an Economic Collapse. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, just really quick before we get started, I was on Facebook and I noticed that uh, you know, one of the guys that I follow, and I really haven't done too much as far as, far as uh, linking videos and stuff like that. I have in the past, but James Yeager, uh, some of you might know him, some of you might not. Uh, he does a lot of firearms uh, videos and, and preparedness, some some preparedness and stuff like that. On one of my um, one of the the articles that I wrote uh, a while back, I actually kind of put it together of all the the Uber guide to food storage DIY food storage. Um, he actually did a video on uh, on on making uh, buckets uh, of uh, of food, you know. And I can't remember what it was. I think maybe rice or beans or whatever. But he actually, you know, walks you through how to do it. And so, uh, you know, so he does some preparedness things as well. But it's mostly firearms and tactics and things like that. But uh, I noticed that uh, recently he posted that he had to start another YouTube channel because YouTube was uh, dinging him for, you know, his conservative views and and I I guess because of the firearms and things like that. And then today he he posted a, a post on his face, Facebook page that it came across my feed that uh, Scooch uh, started a second channel because YouTube was was messing with him as well. And that's a, that's an issue that is happening uh, with uh, a lot of conservatives, a lot of... Uh, and it, here's the thing, it's just not YouTube, it's social media in, in general. And uh, one of the things is like right now we're using social media, and it, but it's one of those things that you know that at any time it can go away. Because uh, they are, they don't have any problem whatsoever uh, of silencing conservative thoughts, patriot thoughts, all those kinds of things. Uh, but they will go ahead and let all the other craziness go, and they won't, they won't uh, censor that at all. They'll, they won't silence that at, at, at all. And so you've seen uh, a lot of that on conservative uh, YouTube channels. Uh, I talked a little bit not too long ago um, about uh, one American news channel or network. And I uh, even did a little article about them, and I, I follow uh, I follow them on Twitter, and actually a couple of their personalities I follow them on Twitter now, just because I I, I just kind of like the the unbiased aspect of it. They're kind of like Fox News back back when Fox News first got started. Maybe uh, I mean I guess that's a way to uh, to think of it. And uh, their their channel uh, was was blocked. You know, was starting to get little dings, and if you went there, it would say that this. That this web that this uh, video is unlisted, and that's kind of YouTube's way of saying, "Hey, we're not going to allow your your uh, your videos and your uh, the things that you're putting out there to be in our search engine." So if people get to it, they get to it. If they link to it, you know, uh, they link to it, or you link to it, or whatever. But uh, for the most part, people aren't going to be able to come to YouTube and search for it and find it, and that just sucks, man. But I mean, as as part of is what it is. It is. Their companies, they own it. They can do whatever they want to do. But at some point, right? What do we What do we do about it? Uh, I wish people, some patriots out there with money, would do some of. Uh, 
I know that there are some alternatives, but they're just they're, they're not as uh, I guess as robust as uh, Facebook and stuff like that. I know that there's some out there, and if you do have some that you are a part of, or maybe you even run uh, like a, a Patriot social media uh, or or something along those lines, and an alternative uh, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, I know Gab is out there. Uh, but if you run a, an alternative YouTube, whatever, let me know and, uh, and drop it in episode 180 and I'll go ahead and let people know about it uh, so that they can go. And, you know, I don't have a problem listing that on my uh, on the Facebook page and groups as well, because I, I know very, very soon uh, they could easily turn, you know, prepper website off. You know, they can turn the prepper website uh, Facebook group off the Facebook page off. Uh, Twitter can go ahead and decide to shut all that stuff down, and uh, you know, and, and YouTube. And I don't do a lot of YouTube channels, but they can shut that down too. And uh, that's one reason why uh, I push very strongly about the email list because even if everything kind of uh, went down, uh, that email list, I can download that email list, and then if I had to, I can email the email list. And uh, you know, do it do it that way. Even if I had to do it from my regular email, I, I could do it that way and get information out to you. But uh, so if you if you're not a part of the email list, that's another reason to uh, to be a part of it. But uh, it's something to consider out there. So when you're supporting these guys, uh, if you you know you are a patriot, if you are a prepper, if you are uh, you know conservative out there. Uh, when you support these people, uh, know that it's very easily, very easy for them to go away. I mean, there, there are people, there are complete businesses that have gone under because all they did was they built their business around their Facebook page. And then maybe they were like a conservative, I can't remember the name of it. it was, there was a conservative magazine and uh, they, they just kind of got shut down. And that was it. I know that there's been some Christian uh, groups that have gotten shut down like uh, Jan Markell, uh, Understanding the Times. Facebook group and even YouTube, I believe, was shut down. And uh, but because of the the outcry, there's a lot of people out there, a lot of fans that they you know they come back and say, oh hey, that was a, it was a mistake. We didn't mean to do that. Blah blah blah. I'm like yeah, right. And so uh, you know you've heard the news here recently that the IRS uh, did admit that uh, they were targeting uh, uh, Tea Party. Tea Party groups and they were not giving them exemption status. They were doing it on purpose. And we just have this government that's just jacked up. We have um, you know Mueller out there who is just tied into the Clintons and in all different kinds of ways. And uh, you know he's going over after this guy Manafort. I'm reading on on Twitter that there's really nothing to what he's doing. It's probably more along the lines to deflect along the uh, deflect the uh, the news that's coming out about him and and uh, his ties to everybody to the Clinton uh, Foundation and to the Clintons and and how uh, this whole Russia thing has been turned on its head and uh, you don't you don't hear anything about Hillary they're not going after Hillary they're not going after you know Clinton and they're not going at, you know or Bill Clinton they're not going after any of that stuff right and it's just it's just it's all crap and so you'll they'll they'll um, you know they'll hide that the media has their agenda and they will hide it and they will you know go after and do other things and uh, it's just you know it's so hypocritical we are living in a crazy world i know that yesterday i talked about going to uh here i am going long on on this opening i wasn't planning on doing it 
but uh, I talked about going up to the country and uh, you know my dad was already up there he spent the night up there and uh, you know was doing cutting some grass with a new tractor and everything and and uh, went up there with my father-in-law and uh, we were just talking about you know he was talking about the old days and and how uh, things were so different and it just seemed so simple and uh, he loved to go back to those days you know and I bet there's a lot of you who are listening to this podcast those of you who are older uh, who would say, yeah, I'd love to go back to those days of the 60s and the 70s. And, and uh, you know, there were some maybe some crazy times, but it just seems so much simpler. We're actually going to uh, one of the articles that I'm reading here uh, today, uh, The Five Boring But Effective Ways to Prep for an Economic Collapse. Daisy Luther makes that, uh, that same, uh, you know, puts that same idea out there. It just seemed like it was simpler times back in the back in the day and that might be one reason why that homesteading life appeals to so many people because it's like yeah you get to work with your hands you get to get out there you you know you're not dependent on uh, the government you're not dependent on you know it's just you and uh, you know what you get to do and you get to see the fruits of your labor you know you're not you're not uh, typing on a keyboard and seeing you know a bunch of ones and zeros go off somewhere you're planting seed into the ground and you're seeing that grow and and uh, you know you might have livestock you're taking care of chickens and every day they give you an egg and and there's there's benefit there and there's you get to see all that and it's just a you know a simpler way of life and uh, you know because our world our world is crazy now just don't don't give up don't give up hope uh, don't uh, don't uh, you know just you know quit on on us or anything uh, you know, there there is that aspect that we uh, we have a job to do. You know, we have uh, our families to take care of. We have people that we can. Uh, uh, I'm almost going to start preaching to you here, but uh, share the the good news of preparedness. Uh, and there are some there are some people out there that that need to hear that. Some people that have no idea. There's some people that are you know getting uh, their 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 eyes are opened up now to this craziness in the world because it's so in your face and there's some of you who are very very new to preparedness because I'm hearing about this all the time now uh, because of the you know I, I always didn't I didn't get the the the, the real close um, feedback from proper website I mean I occasionally I would get uh, the emails and things like that uh, from individuals now I get I get email from a lot of people uh, website owners and, and people trying to sell things and all kinds of junk but n not a lot from the one-on-one -on -one type uh, you know people out there the individuals reading prepper website occasionally I would in actually I want to say more than occasionally I mean I had a good number of people that would contact me and say hey thanks Todd for what you're doing uh, for the preparedness community but I guess now even more so with with the podcast I'm hearing that more and more all the time and uh, you know, there's those those of you that are new to the podcast, uh, you're coming into preparedness. I'm hearing that all the time now as well, uh, because maybe you clicked on some uh, some podcast out there on iTunes or some other uh, podcast catcher, and then for whatever reason, uh, you know, the the podcast that you clicked on was linked to a prepper website, and you're like, hey, what's this? And you click on it, you start to listen to it, and you kind of like what you hear. Um, and, and it kind of starts resonating with you because of all the craziness out there. You're like, hey, wait a minute. This might be some stuff that might be useful to know. And so, uh, man, I, mean, I know I'm going long on that, but, uh, you know, we, we're living in a crazy world, and the things that are out there just go to show that to you all the time. 
Uh, I was listening, I tried to listen to all the prophecy updates before I put the weekly watchman up there. But uh, those of you who listen to John Haller, uh, you know, he talks a little bit about that uh, in, in just how craziness and just inflation, uh, how uh, inflation or, or uh, salaries and, and pay has gone up 16%. But medical costs, and I talk about medical all the time, guys, right? I talk about that all the time. And uh, you've heard me talk about, you know, the, the need for uh, knowing some herbal remedies and knowing essential oils and knowing all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and knowing ways to, to handle that. And uh, he said that uh, that medical costs have gone up 800%. So, you know, if, if uh, you're, you're looking at, and I can't remember the year that he, the years that this has gone, but uh, basically you're making $16 more, uh, $16 more a year, but your medical costs have gone up 800 plus dollars a year and that's not sustainable you know and so we're again like i said we're living in this crazy world all of you know that you're seeing it it's plain as day and so i I guess i don't need to keep belaboring that and going after that and this first article comes to us from prepper's will i'm just going to jump right into it and it's one of those that i keep saying is very very important now i don't i don't necessarily agree with all the uh all the things that were uh were put here in this article um, I'm going to go ahead and read it and maybe you know, stop uh, through the way and, and make some commentary uh, or commentary, make some comments uh, as we go or maybe just kind of wait through uh, until I get to the end of the article. Uh, but I do think that this is important. Uh, emergency preparedness tactics for seniors. Uh, there's a lot of seniors out there who are, are very interested in preparedness. They see the writing on the wall. They know where, where our world is headed. Uh, but you know they they are seniors, and there are some uh, some issues there uh, with maybe you know their physical ability to to uh, handle um, bugging out or their physical ability to to uh, you know to take care of some of the things that are would happen during an SHTF situation. So uh, and maybe there's some financial aspects as well. So let's go ahead and get into this one, and um, I'll uh, you know we'll go we'll see what happens as we go. As time goes by, we realize that natural and man-made disasters are inevitable, and we become more and more vulnerable each day. Unfortunately, the seniors in our community are the most affected, given their situation and physical condition. The following emergency preparedness tactics should help senior citizens everywhere. When you are prepping for a disaster, you need to have the appropriate mindset and physical ability if you want to succeed. Seniors may have fewer practical options available compared to others from their community. They may have a physical disability, they may live alone, or they simply lack the resources they used to have when they were still in the workforce. Even though these limitations can hinder your prepping plans, you must be prepared and ready to face any disaster regardless of your age. Seniors should plan their resources and prepare as best as they can before waiting for help to arrive. The following emergency preparedness tactics should make them ready to face any emergency at any time. Survival tactics for seniors. Having the right mindset. Your brain is the most important survival tool and your mindset will help you survive against all odds. Being aware of your surrounding and evaluating what you see is the first step. Based on the information you gather, you can decide and act accordingly. Buying survival gear is recommended, but without the right mindset, it will just take space in your closet or basement. 
Survival is also about taking good or making good decisions before disaster strikes. You should make a list of what is most likely to happen in your area and which of those scenarios may force you to evacuate. The list can contain everything from forest fires to flooding and earthquakes. Even pending civil unrest should be on the list since the human factor is the most unpredictable one. All right, so... Uh, so I, there, there's a, I said there's some things that I don't uh, agree with. There's a lot that I do agree with in, in this article. And so uh, you always hear uh, from senior citizens, in whether it's in comments or in emails that I have uh, received in the past, that they plan on, because of mobility issues, uh, because of disabilities or whatever, that, that they plan on, on uh, bugging in. They don't plan on ever bugging out. The issue is for... for Example is what happened here in Houston with uh, Hurricane Harvey. Uh, actually, the um, the the first picture here is uh, an evacuation. I don't know if it's Harvey or not, but uh, it's an evacuation. There's an older person and and uh, two younger guys are are helping her uh, walk out of some water. And so uh, you know you plan on bugging in, but if you're a senior citizen listening to this. And uh, you know your plan is bugging in. There, there might be a possibility that there's a situation where you have to bug out. And so in that in, in that case, you want to kind of think through those things. What would you do? You know, if if you were in a flood uh, situation where water was coming up and you had to leave, uh, do you have a bag? Maybe it's not a bug out bag. Maybe you're not going to strap on a pack and you're going to head to the woods or or anything like that. But do you have a, a, a bag prepared that if you needed to leave in a very hastily situation that you could maybe dump your medicine in or you had at least a week's worth of medicine in there? You had some clothes that you could change into. You had some hygiene products. You had some things that you could, uh, you know, that you could get out with very, very quickly. Maybe, you know, uh, some of your important documents, copies of your documents, those kinds of things. So because, you know, you never know. There might be, uh, if it's not a flood, maybe there's a fire. Maybe in California, these fires that were tearing it up over there, you know, and, and not just in California, but really they were kind of all spread out, uh, you know, on, on the West Coast. And, and uh, you might have had the plan is like, hey, I'm never going to bug out. But then, you know, this fire comes comes on. And, uh, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, I guess you can say, hey, I'm not leaving and, and you can burn up with your house and die. I mean, that's usually not shouldn't be an option there. You should have uh, some kind of option to be able to get out. And if it's a mobility issue, what possibly could you do? Is it something that if there was a potential bug out situation, maybe it's something that you would have to be so aware of that you would have to move a lot faster than somebody else. And what, what I mean by faster is not a speed issue. It's an issue of where people would be waiting maybe an extra couple of days whether if they decided to bug out or not. Maybe you, you don't have that option to wait two or three days. Maybe you start bugging out you know, two or three days before it really becomes an issue. And, uh, you know, I know that's that's easy to say and kind of hard to do. Um, if it's a fire situation, that might be a little bit easier. If it's a flooding situation, uh, that just kind of came on, you know. Uh, nobody, I don't think anybody in Houston was expecting the extent of uh, Hurricane Harvey. So uh, a lot of things there. And uh, what, what I'm trying to say, when, I just, when you boil it all down, is don't ever think that there might not be a, a probability that you have to bug out. And if you have to bug out, you know, don't don't leave uh, don't leave your home with nothing. 
Uh, I had uh, uh, somebody in, in at church who had a family member who was uh, up in age, and they were in that same situation. They were in floodwaters up to their chest, and they panicked, and they didn't have anything prepared. They made some very, very poor decisions as far as some of their valuables, just you know, kind of putting them in a, in a place that shouldn't have been put. And uh, thank God nothing, nothing happened. Everything was safe. But, uh, you know, you don't want to be in that situation where you're making bad decisions. You want to be able to think these things through a little bit. And so you have some options. All right. Long, long on that. But I just, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of senior citizens that are out there, guys, that, that if, you're, if you're a younger person out there, uh, you're new to preparedness, I want to tell you there's a lot of uh, senior, uh, let me say seasoned citizens out there who are into preparedness. And, uh, you know, these are things that they're dealing with. But if you're new to preparedness, you, you need to, to be thinking about you might have some parents who are in this situation, right? Uh, you might have some parents or some grandparents that, you know, you need to start thinking about. Maybe you need to have some conversations with. All right. So let's go ahead and keep going. Once you make this assessment, it's time to figure out what you will do if these events occur. Will you go to a public shelter or a friend's house? Do you have a nearby relative that can take you in? My father has a set of spare keys to a late cabin he's using. Even though the cabin is not his, the owner agreed to let him use it in a bug out, as a bug out location in case he needed it. Another possible scenario you have to think about, which is the most probable one for most seniors, is hunkering down. Most of them will not be able to abandon their homes or refuse to do so due to practical or emotional reasons. It's, a highly, it's highly understandable, and for most of them, it's unbearable to leave their life's work behind. To prepare for bugging in, seniors must be prepared to face physical, emotional, and mental reactions triggered by a disaster. Gather people around you, family, friends, and neighbors, and discuss about potential problems and solutions in a relaxed environment before disaster strikes. A barbecue party is a good occasion to discuss current events and threats that may affect your neighborhood. Continue to communicate with them during the incident and share news and information as the situation develops. Next is plan ahead. Seniors should plan for disasters that are likely in their geographical location. They should limit their prepping plans to what is most likely to happen. Evaluate all the pros and cons of hunkering down versus bugging out. Make a checklist with what you will need to survive during a disaster and stick to it. Do this long before any disaster strikes as you will be able to think logically when you're relaxed. You will be able to rule out easily the wants versus needs. Seniors have different needs when it comes to survival planning and even food storage becomes problematic. The pantry of senior citizens requires diversity as they are more susceptible to food fatigue than others. I don't, um, I don't agree with that, that they're more susceptible to food fatigue than others. I do agree or would say that uh, diet might be a big, there might be a big difference. So where someone younger could eat uh, dehydrated, freeze-dried foods, uh, you know, those kinds of things that, uh, you know, you might need a, more of an iron stomach. Uh, somebody with uh, a, a senior, a seasoned citizen, let me say, uh, you know, might have some, some problems, uh, you know, digesting all those kinds of things. Um, but one of those things is in, that you might want to consider that an adult can uh, or a seasoned citizen could consider is uh, something like Insure. Uh, I don't know what the expiration date on that. I, I think it's a milk product. I haven't ever tasted it myself. 
but you know, Insure might be one of those things that uh, they can stock uh, and uh, give them all the vitamins and and the, and the, <laughs> and the vitamins and the minerals that they need. Uh, it's funny. I'm I'm just thinking of one of those. Um, oh my gosh, one of the asteroid movies, the ones that hit, uh, and uh, one of the one of the senators or whatever. Uh, he knows what's happening, right? And so he's uh, he's bugging out, and he's bugging out with his family, and he has cases and cases of insured. He's not even that old. I can't remember which one that is. Uh, it's uh, anyway. There's so many of them, but uh, yeah. So maybe you might remember that one. <laughs> you drop me a line. I'll uh, I'll uh, try to to say that in, in the next uh, next podcast. All right. Um, it's the one with uh, with the Ellie. Is that uh, I think Ellie, yeah, and so uh, was it, uh, oh my gosh, anyway, I can't remember, uh, I might even have to pause the <laughs> pause the podcast and go look it up, so, you know what, I'm going to do that right now, <laughs> hold on, alright, it was Deep Impact, I, I, I can't believe I forgot that one, Deep Impact, that was a, that was a, that was a good movie, anyway, alright, so, um, so Insure, <laughs> that might be a, uh, uh, a possible food storage item for seasoned citizens out there. All right, so um, let's go ahead and continue. Not only will it decrease their morale, talking about food fatigue, uh, but it will also lower their energy levels. Another thing related to food storage is accessibility. They need to be able to easily prepare and cook their meals without wasting time that may not be available. Medicine should also be on top of the list since most seniors rely on various pills to survive or ease their illnesses. If they take maintenance medications, they should make a stockpile that can last for months. The same goes for sanitation or hygiene, and they should be prepared to stay clean if clean water will someday stop flowing and toilets will stop flushing. Have one or two water bobs can can help you collect a good amount of water and have it readily available during a disaster. Seniors should also be aware of alternative evacuation routes since the main escape route may not be available at all times. For example, if the main road out of town is flooded, you should be able to use an alternative route without abandoning your vehicle. Evaluate the ability of those close to you and assign roles for each of them. Figure out which family member can drive a car and who can walk a long distance while carrying a bob. Do you have money stashed away that can be used to pay for travel? Who can accompany you? Who can assist and help you in in case it's needed? Again, so you know, one of the things I know that uh, I always hear from seasoned citizens is that uh, you know finances is an issue, and uh, you know there are some out there that have done really well. They put a, put away enough money, uh, and so you know they they're not going to want for any kind of gear or any kind of you know uh, they'll they'll have money or cash or even gold and silver and things like that. But a lot of seasoned citizens are on limited income, and so when you talk about food storage, it's kind of like you know, hey, uh, I'm barely surviving, or you know, with inflation going up and prices going up, uh, we're really struggling over here. And so uh, you'll have that. And then the medicine is again, it's easy to say stockpile medicine, uh, but you know, you start getting into a lot. Sometimes seasoned citizens are on Medicare, uh, and so Medicare won't allow something like that. And so you need to start getting creative. If it's a medicine that maybe you can take a half a pill and put a and put a half a pill back, or or you know take the the next one, and then that way you can slowly start building up a um, 
you can slowly start building up a uh, a reserve of of your stockpiled medicines if it's a medicine that can that you can do that and so uh, you know you really have to be careful about that because I'm not trying to give medical advice um, but you know you, you something to to consider out there the the other thing that I would say for anybody who is taking medicine whether you are a young person or you are a, a seasoned citizen is don't ever throw away any kind of medicine ever uh, you might get into a situation where later on you could barter those and really the only medicine that goes uh, that, that eventually goes bad is the um, well I mean it all eventually goes bad but uh, stuff in liquid form uh, doesn't last very very long after ex expiration dates but anything in pill or capsule form uh, all it does is starts losing its potency and so you know if it expires on you know November 5th it doesn't, you know, all of a sudden on November 6th, all of a sudden, you know, go bad. It just start, it starts to lose its potency over the years. And so I, w I wouldn't, uh, if you're a seasoned citizen and you are, doctors are changing meds and stuff like that, I would not change them. Uh, but I would maybe write down what those medicines are for and maybe keep a log of, hey, you know, I used to take this and this was for this and, uh, you know, put that out to the side. All right, uh, continuing on. Fortify your castle. Seniors who decide to hunker down should make sure they have enough food, water, medication, and other supplies for at least one week. It is also important to have at least one way of communicating with others, like a telephone, cell phone, ham radio, etc., to keep them updated on your situation. Consider all also about alternative energy options in case gas and electric, electricity utilities are destroyed or shut down. To reduce the risk of fire, use battery-operated lighting inside. Using an open flame inside can also be dangerous and you should remove any combustible material from the area before doing so. Propane gas stoves or charcoal barbecues from the backyard should be kept as a last resort and used only for emergencies. Okay, so I, I don't agree with that. Uh, it, I would not be bringing these things inside, but propane gas stoves and charcoal uh, you know, uh, barbecue pits and stuff like that, definitely use those outside. Uh, you're not bringing them inside, but you're using them outside uh, for cooking, and uh, that's definitely something that uh, that you know I would recommend, uh, especially like if you have a gas grill, uh, barbecue grill, but you have one of those little you know side burners. Those are very very helpful, uh, you know, or a camp stove, uh, definitely. So think also about how you can fortify your home and make it undesirable for looters. Think about protecting your windows and doors and create a defensive perimeter around your home. If you plan to get a gun for home defense, try it before you buy it. Get something that you can easily that you can use easily without a powerful recoil. There's safety in numbers and this is especially true for seniors. Most of them have a strong connection with their neighbors and they take care of each other during harsh times. You should always have someone to rely on nearby, especially if you live in a gated community or a small neighborhood. And it, that is the the fact right there, man. You should have uh if you are uh, a seasoned citizen and uh, your family is not close close by uh, you should take a little bit of time to start building relationships with some of your neighbors and you need to be purposeful about that uh, for for this specific reason here because it's very easy that in a situation where things are, are hitting the roof uh, you know um, hitting the roof uh, the poop is hitting the fan that uh, uh, man I just it's it's just it's just slow coming today, it seems like. Um, uh, the, the, the poop is hitting the fan 
that it's, it's very easy to, for everybody to hunker down and not really uh, think about other people if they don't really know them. It's, it's easier to forget about people when you don't really know their names and don't know anything, don't have a relationship with them. But it's a little bit harder for people to, you know, it's like, hey, wait a minute, Mr. So-and-so is, you know, lives next door, lives right across the street. And, and you know, I, I know him. I know his family. I know, you know, I know all about him. He comes and talks to us. He plays with the kids, you know, and, and he's smiling, you know, smiling all the time, whatever. So take some time to build some relationships. And I'm not saying to be deceitful about that. But what I'm saying is, is don't just sit down and, you know, in your chair and uh, watch TV all day. Get get out there and meet the neighbors and see you know do as much as you possible that you, so you can build some relationships out there. I think that's important. All right. So uh, continuing on, you should identify. Or this is emergency services. You should identify people in local services long before a crisis hits. The Red Cross and the Salvation Army can provide assistance in an emergency. Contact them and ask to see local government plans for emergency preparedness in your area. It will help you figure out what your options are in case you are prepping in case your prepping plans fail. You can also make a list with all public buildings which are designed to operate as emergency emergency shelters when disaster strikes. By doing so, you will be able to identify those that can be reached depending on how the disaster develops. Create a contact list with all local neighbors, friends, and relatives and establish a plan for operating and communicating before but also during a disaster. Even a simple thing like checking on your neighbors once the weather alert is issued can save lives. You can notify all your neighbors and pull resources together. Who owns a truck or other escape vehicle such as a boat? Who has trouble walking and needs carrying? Does anyone have medical training? Who is at home at all times? Then there's family support. Most seniors have grandchildren and young adults who are part of their lives and spend a great deal of time with them. These relatives can be included in the prepping plans and can have an active role in keeping seniors busy and prepared. Tasks such as organizing a pantry, or buying supplies, and even listening for local tornado warnings can become a team effort. We can learn a lot from our elders, but that's not just a one-way street. Seniors can also learn a great deal of things from younger family members. From learning how to operate new apps or gadgets designed for survival to staying up to date with how others prepare. Young people have access to a bigger flux of information and they can filter it much faster compared to adults. I've shown my father a lot of things he was not aware of and I've bought many items for him after finding out about them from different communication channels. I know from experience that old timers are used to doing things on their own without asking for help and with limited resources. I can understand and respect that since I'm aware they come from a different and better generation. Their generation had to work hard to achieve a certain comfort and stability, and they didn't have all the facilities we have today. However, there's no shame in asking for help. You should be able to talk with those close to you and ask for their aid when things become overwhelming. A last word. According to current statistics, there are a lot of seniors living in the U.S. More than 25% of the population is 55 years or older, while 14% are 65, old, or 65 years old. Currently, 6% of the population is 75 or older. While these numbers may not seem much at first, the actual number of seniors grows significantly if you realize that the U.S. has a population of 323 million. Most seniors out there may not be as capable of saving themselves from a disaster as younger, more physically able citizens, but with proper planning, senior citizens can increase their chances of survival. All right, that's it. There's a couple of... Uh, comments one of them uh, a couple of cool ones that i think you should go check out there's links throughout all this um, all this article that you can uh, 
you can click on. You know, so I was thinking uh, this last this some of these statistics uh, at the end. I'm I'm kind of curious where they they're coming from. I thought that there might be uh, the 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 generation that's a little bit older might there might be more than than this here, and so I'm just kind of curious about that um, because we know that the boomers were you know a very big uh, a big group. And they're the ones who are, are seasoned citizens now. So let me just end with a couple of things here, because I know I've gone really, really long on this one. Um, when we think about seasoned citizens, we need to think about, you know, what age are we really, really talking about? So, because like my parents are, they're considered uh, senior citizens. They get all the AARP stuff. They get the, the, they get the break on the movies when we go to the movies. They get all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, you know, the free, uh, not the free, but the, you know, the, the deals when you go out to eat and all that kind of junk. But they're, they are very, very active, you know? Uh, and so when you're, when you're talking about seasoned citizens, we might look at someone and we might say, okay, they're old, they're a, season, they're a senior, but then we realize that their, their physical ability might be a lot better than we actually think. And so people are living a lot uh, longer nowadays. They're, they're, uh, you know, they're still healthy out there. And so one, you know, we need to consider those kinds of things. Uh, when we're talking about seasoned citizens, uh, you know, what age group are we actually talking about? Are we talking about people, you know, for some, some of you might be thinking a senior citizen is somebody in their 60s. Others might be talking about somebody in their 70s or 80s, you know. It just kind of depends on where your perspective is. So, so I'm going to say that, right? You kind of need to have an idea of, of age and, and what people can do at the age that they're at. And then the other thing is, a lot of the reasons why we were even talking about this is because we've gotten so far away from the family aspect of living. Back in the day, I mean, you had multiple generations in one household. You might have parents, you might have had kids, and then you would have grandparents, you know, all living in, in one house. At least I know that that's the way my dad grew up, you know. Uh, his, his grandfather had passed away and his grandmother lived in that house with him and uh, lived with him for, for, for forever, you know, until she passed away. And so uh, that was just the way that it was back in the day. But now everybody wants, you know, moves away from home. They're in other, other parts of the country. And, and uh, you know, we, we have this different kind of lifestyle. Everybody spread apart. Everybody wants their own thing. Everybody wants to, you know, have their own home. And, and it's uh, sometimes, uh, you know, people have problems living with their parents and, and, and things like that. So, um, you know, that's one aspect of it. But not too long ago, that's the way that it used to be is that, you know, the, the parents got older and then the kids that came behind them took care of them, uh, you know, and, and, and gave, that, gave that to them. And so, um, you know, if, if it's possible, I think um, if, if you can live with each other, I think as we go into the future, as things uh, maybe as we start to spiral out, uh, if our economy really starts to spiral and things start going bad, we might see multi-generational homes again, where you know, uh, grand, you know, grandparents move move in, you know, and those kinds of things uh, start happening again more and more. I mean, I think it's probably happening happening more than we we think about now, but. Um, I, I think that, that that's a possibility. I know that uh, we had some neighbors who um, she was uh, she was a nurse and he was a truck driver and uh, you know they both made really really good money you know and then she hurt herself 
and couldn't work as a nurse anymore. And then his, uh, uh, you know, his, and this is a couple of years back when, uh, you know, gas was getting high and things like that. And he wasn't getting the jobs that he, he needed. So they wound up retiring and they, they lasted in that retirement mode for a while. But uh, things started getting very expensive for them. So they sold their house. Uh, before they lost it, and they went to go live with uh, with uh, his daughter, uh, you know, who had a, a big house, and pretty much they had a, a kind of a wing to themselves, is what they were telling us. You know, it's like we're kind of going to have a wing to ourselves, and we'll be able to help uh, my daughter out with the kids, you know, uh, going to school, and if they ever need anything, and and so you know, it was very very beneficial. Last thing I want to say about uh, seasoned citizens here is uh, you know the generation that went through the depression is uh, very few of them left a lot of them are dying you know uh, dying out but the se- the seasoned citizens that we're talking about are the kids of those that went through the depression and um, they might have gone through the depression as well do you still have some of those uh, some of those kids that went through the depression but they grew up with parents who went through the depression and who, uh, because of that depression, they, they had a different mindset of things. And so these senior, senior seasoned citizens might not have actually done all the things that their parents had done, but they still remember those things. They still remember the stories. They still remember how things, uh, how their parents used to, uh, live, uh, very thrifty, being very frugally because of that, uh, you know, because of that going experience of going through the depression. And so uh, that might be some of the things, uh, some of the conversations that would be helpful to have out there with uh, some of those uh, from the boomer generation that, um, you know, that, that are a little bit older there, but they can share those stories. And, and if you do have a family member who did go through the depression, you know, that might be, you know, you, you definitely want to sit down and say, hey, let's, Let's talk a little bit about what it was like. And, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear those stories. Uh, those are always good. All right, so that's over at PreppersWill.com. Guys, sorry I went really long on that one, but uh, I know that there's a lot of senior citizens out there. Hopefully that was beneficial. Hopefully those of you who are younger, you might have some family members and maybe you need to have some uh, some conversations as opposed to this. The thing to remember is this. Seasoned citizens are going to need are, are going to have to prepare just like everybody else. But they're going to have some extra needs. They're going to have to, uh, there, there's some extra things that they're going to have to do. So all the things that anybody else would prepare for, they need to do on top of dealing with, uh, you know, mobility issues and disability and uh, strength and uh, doing things a little bit slower. So, uh, you know, keep that, all that in mind. Our next article comes to us from theorganicprepper.ca. Again, theorganicprepper.ca. That's Daisy Luther's website. Daisy always puts out great preparedness contact, content and uh, love reading her articles. And so um, I'm going to go ahead and start this one. Again, this title is Five Boring But Effective Ways to Prep for an Economic Collapse. So let's go ahead and read this one. How do you survive an, e- an economic collapse? When you think about it, do pictures of Venezuela and Greece run through your head like a movie? desperation, hunger, dirty faces. It's like a third world country, right? It doesn't start out like that. It ends like that. There are many years of downward spiral before you ever reach that point. And if you're paying attention, there are lots of lifestyle changes you can make that will help your family become more collapse-proof. These changes are practical and realistic, and some would say downright boring. Many people would argue that the economic collapse of America began many years ago. 
After all, the cost of living has gone up exponentially, while income have, has either dropped or remained stagnant. Some families are still doing okay, but for most of us, that could change in the blink of an eye because we don't have the same savings that people had in previous decades. It's entirely like that Social Security won't be there for many of us. In fact, quite a lot of middle-aged people are now saying that they'll work until they die. Retirement is a far-fetched daydream for a lot of baby boomers, and Generations X, Y, and Millennials can just forget about it. Something as simple as a missed paycheck or a trip to the emergency room could cause our delicate financial situation to crumble, leaving us broke, stressed, and unable to get back on our feet. The suggestions below aren't one bit glamorous. They don't involve gadgets to make your gun sexier, fully stocked bunkers over an underground stream, gas masks, an off-grid retreat in the Rocky Mountains, or any other prepper paraphernalia that costs more than your kidney would sell for on the black market. Many of you who are reading this are already living by these recommendations, but for others, these changes may be brand new, life-changing new ideas. First one is live more simply. Sometimes when we look back with envy at the affordable lives of earlier generations, we're missing a very big part of this picture. They owned homes and cars, paid their bills easily, and had enough extra put to put back to put some back for a very comfortable retirement. Heaven, right? But what we don't think about is the fact that they lived a lot more simply than we do today. There was, in many cases, a lot less waste of money. The things folks spent on now are things those generations wouldn't have even imagined. Spa days, going to the gym, weekly mani-pedis, biannual tropical vacations, eating out every day for lunch, $5 fufu coffee, 100 bucks a month for television, a nice dinner at a restaurant a couple of times per week, fruit already peeled and chopped up for you, a separate phone for every member of the family that they carry with them everywhere. This stuff would have blown their minds. And yet, for many Americans, this decadence is a way of life that seems completely more normal. The way we live now would look positively outrageous to our parents or grandparents, yet many today would feel shortchanged without at least some of the things mentioned above. But we can exempt ourselves from a great deal of that frivolous spending without feeling like we're living a third world existence. A lot of the folks reading this already have, and if you aren't there yet, here are some links that will help you tone things down. You'll be astounded at how much money you can save by making some cuts. And there's a, links to three articles here. Cheapskate Guide to Living Beneath Your Means, 30 Frugal Living Tips, Small Changes That Result in Big Savings, and Cheap by Choice, When Frugality Means Freedom. Next thing is change how you eat. The way Americans eat is taking a toll on both our wallets and our health. There are folks who go out to lunch every single day with coworkers. On average, Americans spend more money eating out than eating at home. Many people eat, eating at home end up microwaving a prepared meal from the freezer or adding water to the contents of a box. It doesn't have to be like this. The first change you should make is to eat in tune with the seasons. The produce that is in season is far more abundant and less expensive, but for some reason people feel that it's perfectly reasonable to eat blueberries in December or asparagus in November. By purchasing produce when the price is the lowest, you can drop your grocery bill dramatically. You can even take it one step further and raise as much food as possible in your backyard. It doesn't get more seasonal or local than that. Secondly, stop going out to eat all the time. Take your lunch to work and read a book instead of going out on a daily basis. 
spend some time on the weekends making meals that you can freeze and thaw so that you can have a tasty homemade dinner in a fraction of the time. Don't underestimate your crock pot for providing a hot meal that is ready as soon as you walk in the door. You can even make a rotisserie style chicken in it with all the fixings. And speaking of eating at home, if you aren't cooking from scratch, it's time you started. If you've never really done it, it is so much easier and less threatening than it sounds. These tips can help you get started with, with scratch cooking, and these tips can aid you in doing so in a fraction of the time. Be sure to keep the right pantry basics on hand for your made-from-scratch meals. Next is stock up. One thing that I'll be a lot of... One thing that will be a lot of folks living through an all-out collapse which they had done is stock up on supplies. The extra food that you purchase today can see you through all manner of difficult times. I had a couple of incidences of job loss back when I was in the corporate world. Downsizing and cutbacks made this all too common. The food and supplies that I had put back meant that I didn't have to spend my savings on groceries and could spend it to keep a roof over our head. There are loads of ways you can eat from your stockpile when you don't have the money on hand to buy groceries. Building a food stockpile doesn't have to be an outrageously expensive undertaking. I'm a single mom and have managed to have a pantry that would feed us for many months even though I have never been rolling in money. In fact, when I relocated from Canada to the United States, I had to completely start over with a bare cupboard in just a few months, managed to acquire a year's worth of helpful food. Healthful food. You can read all about it in my book, The Pantry Primer, A Prepper's Guide to Whole Food on a Half-Price Budget, in which I share all of my shopping strategies and stockpiling tips. Another addition to your long-term stockpile should be buckets of food. Yeah, I sell them here at my online store, but that's not the reason that I'm telling you to get them. They are professionally packaged to withstand years on the shelf. Yes, you can do this yourself, but will you? Most people won't, or they won't do it correctly. I have enough buckets stacked up to get us through quite some time of financial difficulties or shortages. This is an important long-term investment that I strongly recommend if you can swing it. And um, uh, like I said, Daisy links to a lot of things here, including the things that she sells uh, and, uh, you know, making food buckets and, uh, you know, it is easy to do. Uh, But it is a little intimidating uh, when I first did it. I, and I was looking for YouTube videos and stuff, and I didn't find a lot of good stuff. I mean, uh, you know, like I said, uh, that James Yeager, I talked about him before, and uh, I'll link to that to that video that I was talking about, uh, or to that uh, that article that had that video. But uh, like Gay over at Backdoor Survival, I mean, she had a uh, an article that was very very helpful, and uh, so I link to all those kinds of things. So it is intimidating, but it's just like anything else. When you start doing it, you realize, man, this is this is super easy. Um, but yeah, if you if you're not going to wind up doing it, you need to gather the supplies. You need to find out what you need. If you're not going to do it, go buy some. Um, it, it just it's worth it if you can swing it, like Daisy says. And remember, the stockpile method isn't just for your pantry. You should also be adding all the things you normally use that you can buy in advance. Band-Aids, toilet paper, feminine hygiene supplies, shampoo, toothpaste. You get the idea. There are two reasons. The first is that if you run into a personally difficult time, it will be extremely helpful to have all the basics on hand so you don't have to spend your thinly stretched money on them. The second is that in a really bad economic scenario, you can be dealing with both shortages and hyperinflation. These items won't be accessible during a time like that. Here's a list of 50 important non-food things you should be stockpiling. Remember that in Venezuela, one of the things that was going or uh, is like diapers and feminine hygiene products 
and then it was toilet paper and then it really picked up speed really quick after that and uh, so I guess if you start you know hearing rumors and and start uh, hearing about those kinds of things going uh, just know that um, you know it can it starts to pick up speed really really quickly the next thing is pay off debt Debt in America is at an all-time high. By the time folks end up paying things off, they have often paid the original purchase price several times over. If you have credit card debt, store cards, for un and unsecured loans, chances are that you are paying epic amounts of interest every month. If you're in debt, take a look at the snowball method to help pay things off quickly. I've used this te technique in the past when I use credit to help us through some difficult times. What about your home? Similar to credit card debt, many people end up paying several times the cost of their original mortgage due to the interest that accrues over a 20 to 30 year term. If you can, start applying money to the principal of your loan each month. As well, by setting up bi-weekly mortgage payments, you can end up paying your mortgage off about five years earlier without any other extra payments. Another big monthly expense for a lot of folks is their automobile payment. There are a few things you can do with this. Can you pay your vehicle off so you don't have those payments? Can you dial back to one car? Can you possibly get by without a vehicle at all? That won't work very well for people living in the country or suburbia, but city dwellers can save a bundle by using public transportation. Next, reduce your living expenses. Finally, this is the biggie. You need to slash your expenses so that if you end up experiencing a financial SHTF event, you will be okay. It's time to audit your spending on just about everything and see how much you can reduce your budget. Some of these changes may be radical, but many folks have found they were able to reduce their expenses by half when they took the plunge. Get radical about cutting your costs and you can change your life. Is your home reasonable and affordable for your family? Maybe it's too big, too expensive, or in an area with outrageous property taxes. This isn't a cut that is practical for everyone, but you might want to look into moving to a less expensive place if you can. You can live in a smaller home, one in a smaller town, or rent out a room to a college student to help cover the cost. Are you as thrifty as you should be regarding utilities? If you keep your air conditioner and heater cranked, you're throwing away money. Learn to adjust to the weather by piling on sweaters and using these other tips or using strategies to keep cool without running the AC nonstop. Utilities can be completely out of your control in certain parts of the country. But these black belt frugal tips for reducing your, your utilities can help. When I lived in California, even in a home without air conditioning, I was spending up to $500 a month on my electrical bill, no matter how frugal I tried to be. Now in Virginia, my bill is regularly under $100, and I am not even as careful as I was previously. Some areas have times a day when utilities are less expensive. If your local utility is like that, choose off-peak times for things like laundry, dishwashers, and other tasks that use lots of power. Hey, let me, uh, if you're in Texas, um, they have a, there's, an, uh, there's a website called powertochoose.org. Again, that's powertochoose.org. And on that website, you can go and you can find different, uh, it's really crazy because Centerpoint owns the lines where the, the electrical lines but I guess all these other companies, um, they trade and, and they, uh, uh, you know, they purchase uh, the electricity. And so you can uh, find a good rate and lock in a good rate. Uh, and, and I've always I've used that for almost since the beginning, since we've been married. Well, no, not since the beginning, but uh, since I really started paying attention and to, to, the, uh, to the electricity that I've used, uh, which is a long, long time. 
because uh, you know we live in Texas, <laughs> uh, but uh, you can always get a great deal uh, there, and you can lock it in for a couple of years, and uh, you know you'll be you'll be good to go. And I've helped I know I've helped a lot of people out by by just pointing that out to them, and uh, not just sticking with your regular utility company. Uh, because they'll up the price on you, and if if you know they they know that you're never going to look or you're never going to care. So I don't know about the other states. I don't know if there's other uh, websites like that for other states, but I know that that's for Texas. So um, hopefully, uh, if in your state there's something like that, because five hundred dollars, uh, I can't even imagine five hundred dollars in California and not even you know using the AC. That's totally crazy. All right, continuing on. If you're still paying a cable bill, it's time to cut the cord. As long as you have internet, there are numerous streaming services out there which cost less than $15 a month and allow you to watch all sorts of TV programs and movies anytime you want and without annoying commercials. We haven't had cable for years and have been with Hulu, Netflix, and or Amazon Prime. Here are some other ideas for reducing your fixed income. Or I'm sorry, fixed expenses. What changes can you make? The way to survive the economic downturn is to dial back the clock to simpler times and focus on preparing for those rainy days that are coming. The bonus to this is that many of the things recommended here to help you survive an economic crisis will help you through other types of emergencies as well. By changing your lifestyle, you can change your future. When the economy goes downhill, whether it's just something that affects your family or a larger nationwide collapse, you will be in a far better position to survive than those who go about their days frivolously ignoring the warning signs. Your cost will be rock bottom and you'll have the skills you need to survive with a plum while others are panicking. How can you go back in time a few decades and cut some of the fluff from your budget? If you've already slashed your spending, what are some of the recommendations you can make for others who want to get their financial lives under control? Please share your thoughts in the comments section below. There's about 14 comments here that you can come and uh, you can read. Uh, some of them are just like, hey, thanks, and others are providing advice. And uh, Daisy has a ton, and I say a ton of links uh, in her article that are would be beneficial. And uh, you know, I, you you heard me read a bunch of them that would be beneficial, especially if you're trying to live a, a more frugal life and trying to save some money. So uh, go check that out again at theorganicprepper.ca. Like always, I will link to both articles on uh, on the show notes and also on the website, theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. You can come check that out. Hey, if you get a chance, like I said before, come drop me a line on episode 180. Love to hear with love to hear from you. Uh, you can also connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, while the big corporations uh, are still allowing us to uh, us patriot preppers, conservatives to operate there, and uh, you know we'll still we'll still keep using that. Uh, so I'd love to connect with you there. Uh, and uh, don't forget to come join the Facebook group. And if you join the Facebook group and you're kind of new to Facebook, you might just send me an email and say, hey, Todd, I joined the Facebook group. My name is whatever. And uh, just let you know. That way I can, uh, I'm kind of holding off on just kind of deleting some people um, because I'm, I'm thinking some people are, are, are coming in, just like I, I mentioned before, um, to Facebook, you know, because they want to be part of that community, uh, the Facebook group, uh, the Prepper website Facebook group, a more self-reliant life. So definitely welcome you uh, to, to come and join and uh, to be a part of that. If you get a chance, head over to PrepperWebsite.com if you're looking for more preparedness information. We've got a ton, ton of stuff over there for you, uh, just in, in all different kinds of preparedness. So with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware.
Peace.